We've been busy. It's been really busy, but I think that's a good sign. I mean, it's good to be back doing this, but I think the the time between our last podcast and this one just is a testament to the amount of time we've spent building up projects and and reorienting the design of our lessons to ensure that our scholars are successful in that endeavor. Don't you think? Yeah, it's been a lot of work and um you know, also juggling our, our family and home commitments. Um I'm sure quarantining with two young boys <laughs> is uh intense and going to grad school full time while also teaching full time is intense. And we've been, you know, just like we do every year, building the school together and creating staff values, um, prepping for exhibition and, and doing deep learning together. It's been a busy couple weeks. I have a quick story that I think highlights the the chaotic nature of distance learning while, as you mentioned, I have two small children uh, running around in the room next door. Are you ready for this? Share. So on Monday, I, you know, we don't get finished until 1.15 and that's right around the time uh, my wife gets home after picking up my, my oldest from preschool. And the routine lately has been get, you know, get both of the boys inside, let them kind of mill around while she unpacks the car. Uh, but then my oldest um, hops in the shower. That's, that's his first stop. Cause you know, school germs and stuff like that. You just kind of know, rinse that all off, get, get rid of it. And so I'm, I'm finishing up class and um, I just, I hear this crash in, in the bathroom, which is, which is uh -oh. right next to where I'm doing it. So of course my immediate thinking is, Oh my gosh, you know, are, are my boys okay? What broke it? I mean, at first it kind of sounded like glass or something very fragile hitting the ground. Yikes! So I, but I just, all, all, all the, the, all the screen, all you could see is me bolting out of my seat without any explanation at all going next door oh, to the bathroom. I think I remember this. I think, yeah. And, and, and the more and more I think about, it, I don't think I was in class. I think we were in, I think we were in a planning session, weren't we? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ran. Yeah, I I just I flew. Um my I was I was lighter than air and I I turned the corner and sure enough, um think thankfully my, my son was okay, but he was holding the bar of our towel rack. Uh -oh. And one of the dowels of the towel rack, which was screwed into the drywall, had completely busted open. And, and he fell along with it and he was fine. And immediately I saw that and any parent will, will identify with this reaction. I was, I was filled with this immediate rage of like, why on earth did you possibly think this was a good idea? Like something that you could do. And so I'm, I'm angry. I'm like really mad. And, and, and I'm like, I'm, I'm telling him like, oh my gosh, why did you do that? What? But then again, you, you once that sort of subsides and you understand and you start to think to yourself, well, why would my four-year-old know not to climb up on something that clearly looks like monkey bars uh, and, yeah. and swing from it? And so I came back down, you know, I, I settled in with him. I apologized and, you know, just kind of explained like, hey, we cannot, we can't do this because this is not designed for people. And uh, long story short, I have um, I have an Amazon order of spackle coming in the mail tomorrow, and I have a uh, I have a hole to patch in my bathroom wall tomorrow. What is quarantining if not 
trying to climb on things that shouldn't be climbed on and leaving giant holes all over the house. I think there is quite literally nothing in this house that my my two boys have yet to try to climb uh, at some point, whether it's bookshelves, banisters, you name it, it's been climbed on. So fun, but also scary. I'm glad he's okay. <laughs> yeah, but definitely highlights what you were saying about how it's just, it's never a dull moment. Um, as, as best as we try to build up routines in distance learning, I think there's a, there's a, a much higher level of unpredictability um, in, in the work that we do and the things that we're, um, and the things that we come at with. But, um, you know, we roll with the punches and um, we got a lot to be excited about um, with what we have been, uh, what we've been discussing in 11th grade, have we not? Oh, yeah. Flexible thinking, but planning anyways. It has been such a fun journey. Do you want to fill us in what's happening in the 11th grade? We, as we've mentioned before on the podcast, are guiding the scholars through a very unique U.S. history curriculum in which we look at events through a scope of public health, specifically in the United States and the way that we have built up policy to address a wide range of issues that we have faced as a country um, over the course of our uh, relative to other countries, short history. Um, and this is, this is where I'm really in my element that I find in terms of delivering, parsing, and, and kind of playing with content in the context of a history class, because we've talked about so many interesting episodes um, in, in our nation, and, and some much more relevant than others, but all important um, under the umbrella of public health. So from, uh, from a scholastic sort of reading perspective, we, we got things kicked off uh, in this public health unit by talking about Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Um, and it's just such a popular text to use um, in, in the context of any history course, but particularly um, U.S. history, um, learning about all of just the atrocious things that were happening um, building up through industrialization, specifically in meatpacking um, and the meatpacking industries. And I had to preface that, that excerpt to my scholars, like, don't eat a heavy lunch before you read this because uh, it is gross. And, uh, and, and learning about the ways in which, you know, uh, the public health was, was really put in danger because there were no systems in place. There, there were no laws that had to be adhered to to ensure that people, when they were purchasing meat products from um, their local grocer, um, that, that the meat was healthy, that the meat was, was not going to kill you, um, essentially. And, and so we learned very early on in the unit from this text that, um, that we as a nation responded in kind. I mean, The Jungle was, was published in 1905 and, and less than a year later, we have the Meat Inspection Act of 1906 um, that led to the modern formation of what we still have today, um, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. So, you know, putting it in that context, I think for our scholars really made them realize that so many of the institutions that we have today, um, it took time to get there, but we were incredibly responsive once these sort of expose based, but also research based um, investigations um, revealed things that dearly needed to be addressed um, when it came to the public health of the country. 
And then we turned our attention to um, a couple of other episodes. Last week, we were discussing um, the specifics of the Spanish flu, which of course um, has been invoked time and time again these past few months as we um, try to look to lessons from the past to inform us of our present dealing with the COVID pandemic. Um, and so we, we, we read through a lot of primary resources. We listened to podcasts. We looked at data and research uh, from the early 1900s um, in, in how we were addressing this while also trying to manage our role in World War I. Um, I mean, a lot going on there to break down as well. Uh, and then this week, we took a, a markedly different approach. We, we looked at another historical episode, um, but from the perspective of sanitation, specifically waste management, um, and how our country has grappled with uh, growing mountains of trash. Um, and, and that response specifically at first, what it looked like in New York City, and then the lessons that can be applied across the country, um, building out from that. Um, and, and we're not done. Uh, we're, we're trying to give as many case studies as we can to scholars um, to, to make them understand or to help them understand uh, the role that public health plays in keeping our society um, functional, keeping it healthy, keeping it safe um, as best as possible, and the role that policy can play in, in assuring that. And I know that you're kind of spearheading the move uh, next week with, with our content. Do you want, want to give us a little preview of what we're going to be taking a look at next? Yeah, I um, I think what's really cool about this particular lens with which we're viewing American history is that when we first started thinking about public health, I think you and I both and the scholars as well felt um, a little stifled by the title. You know, how possibly could public health give us a large enough picture of what's happening in United States history? And then when you start to pick apart these different case studies that we're exploring and you really start to discuss with scholars, you know, how does this connect to public health? How does this connect to the well-being of citizens of a country? You really start to notice that, like, there's no limit on what connections you can make to public health. And I think that's what's been really um, eye-opening for me about this particular theme. You know, when we started ninth grade, it was easy to see the way that human interventions and design and robotics influenced our lives. We started 10th grade, it was really easy to see the way that sustainability was interwoven into the fabric of our everyday existence. And now in the 11th grade, when we think about public health, um, I'm shocked, though I shouldn't be, <laughs> yet again to see the ways that it, it's just so intricately connected to our everyday decisions in the present, where we're headed in the future and where we've been in the past as a nation. Um, so it's really cool. and. You know, as we as we begin to zero in on where our scholars are going with all of this knowledge to create a project um, and exploring our, our roots as a school in project based learning, coupled with the distance learning reality of, you know, cutting our days, I guess, less than in half and, and seeing our scholars so much less time than we would normally see them in the classroom. We're kind of at this intersection of wanting to go deeper with content um, as opposed to wanting to go broader. So like you're saying, you know, these three distinct topics, the jungle, the New York City cleanup, the Spanish flu, and what's coming next with exploring different healthcare options uh, that currently exist in the United States, it, it really speaks to this idea that we're giving scholars these case studies to go super deep into and think about how it relates to our public health um, and where we're going as a nation. Really exciting stuff. Yeah, and I think what really stands out to me is something you mentioned about how I think we are really... 
making a concerted and active effort towards taking the lessons from last year and, and our overall experience at Odyssey and really catering our current practices to address uh, some of those things that maybe in the past we thought we could maybe do a little better at. And, and one of those things that stands out to me and, and something I'm really pleased with so far is our approach to project-based learning and the role that it that we wanted to play, the role that we felt it always should have played here at Odyssey and, and, and how that has looked. So do you want to kind of um, lead us in with, with what that's looked like for us here at Odyssey? And, and, and then we can kind of take a dive into what our projects look like so far this year. Really exciting stuff. Totally. Yeah. I mean, project-based learning, such a buzzword, um, <laughs> right? There are some schools that exclusively do project-based learning. There's other schools that almost never do it or only do it on a, um, you know, content or assignment basis. But at Odyssey, it's really interwoven into multiple aspects of our design. And, and like you said, we, we've learned a lot from the ninth grade and the 10th grade, our implementation of project-based learning and wanting to do so much with our scholars that we end up overwhelming them to the point that the projects <laughs> aren't authentic and no one's capable of finishing them. And, and you know, that, that really, um, I think it's tempting as an educator to blame scholar motivation. You know, they're, they're just not motivated. They're just not doing the work. But when you really take a good long look in the mirror, you realize like, okay, I've got to set my ego aside and maybe I'm asking too much. And instead of doing more, we need to do less. We need to do it better. So I, I feel like that um, observation that you made is super uh, resonant for me too. We, we really are embracing the, the project-based learning approach this year and, and creating authentic interdisciplinary projects um, that address a, a need in our community, an urgent and pressing need. Public health has never felt more important to think about than it does right now in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let's give a, a deep dive highlight into these two projects that we're doing. Um, you know, for, for anybody listening who hasn't really been following Odyssey since its inception, um, you'll know that we're no strangers to cross-curricular projects. Uh, we often connect with the STEM studio um, and with the idea lab spaces that we've had uh, access to in the ninth and the 10th grade. But this year with 11th grade, our scholars are actually off campus two days a week, engaging deeply either in interest-based learning or taking early college, uh, community college classes. So this is the first year that our scholars work is semester, uh, I guess is broken up by semester. So my village of scholars is taking humanities and Spanish and math and Hunter's village is taking humanities, science and math. You guys are doing biotechnology for science, is that right? Um, I it's such a loaded phrase, but yes, um, if, if you ask me to define in what context we were talking about, we talk about biotech, I would not have an answer for you. <laughs> but um, the, the things that scholars report uh, working with me are far more advanced than anything I ever did in my high school science class. That's for sure. We're going to have to talk to Nicole. She sent me so many thoughtful um, articles and texts about biotech at the beginning of the year. And I I was so invested in learning about it. And then when I realized that I wasn't going to be partnered with her until January, I kind of put it on the back burner, started exploring STEM, I mean, Spanish a little bit more deeply. So we've got to have her on to tell us what it's all about. But anyways, long story short, we're in these different interdisciplinary mixes, me with humanities and Spanish and you with humanities and STEM. And we're designing these kind of alike but different projects uh, that highlight 
the different interdisciplinary hybrid models that are happening in the 11th grade. So do you want to start by speaking to your project, Hunter, and then I can dive into mine? Absolutely. So when we talk about making projects relevant and applicable, you know, we'll talk about authentic audience in a moment, but one of the, one of the questions that kept cropping up for our scholars once we started the year was, um, when are we coming back? <laughs> when are we going to be back in a classroom, in a physical learning environment? And, you know, frankly, we still don't know. We, we don't know what the answer is. Um, here in the state of California, um, the, we, we have an evolving set of standards for what that looks like, and they're not going to be evenly applied. It, it, it really depends on the county that you live in, and, and it, it's all boiling down to numbers and testing and things like that. But one thing is for sure, once we do get the green light for um, returning to on-campus learning, we got to have a plan, right? We're, we're not going to be coming back on campus just the way that we used to before this pandemic really broke out um, and lockdowns began in March. Um, we're we're going to we need to come up with a way to make sure that staff and scholar alike are safe. And so in the context of science, our scholars are going to be doing research and they're going to be evaluating what are some of the best practices that we will need to address in a what's referred to as a sanitation protocol or a sanitation playbook. And so they're going to be um, doing a number of different tasks. Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it, it's all around collecting research. And then what makes this interdisciplinary is that on my end on, in the humanities, um, I'm going to be offering support to express those findings in the form of scientific writing. Um, so offering workshop help and, and guiding these groups, these project teams, as they are composing their own sanitation protocols, or as we also give it the nickname, sanitation playbook. Um, and so there's, there's, a, there's a very strong STEM component. There's a very strong humanities component. And to an extent, we're also doing our best uh, to get math involved as well. Um, it, it takes a lot of math knowledge and skills to actually grapple with data um, and to represent data in a way that is going to benefit your analysis, the argument that essentially you are attempting to make with these, um, with these protocols. And so as they develop that, what they're keeping in mind is this idea of an authentic audience. And, and they know that they are going to be on the hook to present to our school board. Our, our ultimate goal here is for our plan to be presented to the school board um, at, at one of the monthly meetings so that they can review what our scholars found and, and assess whether or not the best practices would be something that we would be able to take up as a school, maybe even as a district, um, when we are getting ready to return to on-campus learning. And one of the biggest ways that we have been helped in that endeavor, and again, making this project even more authentic, is bringing in expert voices to give the guidance and to, to give the, lend their experience to the design of these protocols. So our scholars already over the past few weeks have not only talked to a science curriculum specialist, um, he's, uh, his name's Alec, um, Alec's great, um, I, him and I go way back. We used to teach at the same school, um, but uh, he is also giving us and our science teams um, help in building curriculum and lesson planning um, here at Odyssey. He, he tuned in uh, a couple of days to talk to our scholars about 
what he sees on an administrative level um, in terms of a school district and the kinds of decisions that they have to make while also offering his science knowledge. I mean, he's a science guy at heart um, and, uh, and, and offering some, some advice as to how one might carry out um, a, uh, a, an investigation of sorts. Um, and that's, that's also been coupled with some interviews. Um, you know, Nicole was, was an industry uh, professional. She hasn't been um, a lifelong teacher. Um, and so she's got a ton, a wealth of connections um, of professionals that are still active in the fields of research, epidemiology, things very relatable to what um, we're experiencing right now. I think a friend of hers is, is currently working on um, vaccine trials. Um, for, for COVID-19. And we've been able to leverage a lot of those experts um, so that our scholars can bring in those voices that makes their protocols, it makes these sanitation playbooks um, feel professional research-based. Um, and, and our hope, obviously, giving them the confidence to move forward, preparing to present to an authentic audience. So it's it's been a really wonderful experience so far. Um, I know you guys might not be doing a sanitation protocol, but a lot of these same components exist um, with what you and Sammy are doing with Humanities and Spanish, respectively. Want to share a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm I'm so excited to read these sanitation playbooks. I typically find scientific reading and writing so dense, um, but I think you know many of our scholars are in the same boat as me. But when you confront such an authentic purpose and need um, and personal connection and interest, it really grabs the attention of the learner and, and helps them dive deep and, and really exert that mental effort and persistence to get to the meat of what we're learning and why and how to present it accurately. I think it really speaks to um, the benefits of, of authenticity um, and meaningful work and, and how Definitely. when you interweave that into project-based learning, you create experiences for really deep learning and meaningful growth um, for, for scholars. It's so cool. Our scholars uh, over in the Spanish Humanities Partnership are, are also doing a, a community-facing project. We're actually creating a bilingual community outreach project. So we've been studying these different public health case studies throughout history and how organizations, individuals, governments have responded to sharing information with the public in ways that are effective or ineffective, productive or unproductive, meaningful um, or meaningless, and, and thinking about how we can address an authentic need within our community to share with our Spanish-speaking community members accurate, relevant information about healthcare available during the COVID-19 pandemic. So similar to you, um, and Nicole's work in, in responding to a need that our, our school is facing as an institution, we're responding to the, a need that our community is, is facing, uh, particularly our Spanish-speaking community around you know, the misconceptions and fear associated with seeking health care during such a scary time. So our scholars are interviewing. Uh, recently, they interviewed a bilingual COVID-19 nurse named Karina in Sammy's Spanish class. Tomorrow, super exciting, the Greater Los Angeles County Vector Control District Community Outreach Team. Four members of that team are coming to speak with our scholars about what meaningful community outreach looks like, particularly um, in Spanish-speaking communities. And our scholars are also going to find a member of the community 
that fits within the audience they're trying to reach to, to interview to um, learn more kind of about the, their personal experience and, and needs and desires as a uh, as an audience. Um, so it's really this empathy building interview process where scholars are are connecting with the community. Um, they're practicing their Spanish language skills. Some of them are learning Spanish for the very first time. They're practicing forming basic sentences and and basic comprehension. And some of our scholars are native Spanish speakers. They, um, you know, are advancing their, their vocabulary to be more medically accurate or academic. Um, and, and all scholars are going to produce within a team, a community outreach project that has a written and a spoken element in Spanish accompanied with these three interviews uh, to really address, like I said, this authentic need in our community to share information that is is relevant and accurate with um, Spanish-speaking folks near Odyssey. So it's kind of, um, whew, I feel winded after that explanation, but similar to you, Hunter, <laughs> I, I just, I couldn't be more excited for them. I think that um, we're really, through these experiences, helping scholars find interest and passion in addressing these authentic needs and really diving into them in a way that piques their interest and allows them to develop the skills that they're interested in developing. You know, some of our scholars are planning to do podcasts or videos or skits or live Zoom conversations. Some of them are going to do flyers, are going to do games. Um, it's It's been really cool to watch their creativity come to live as they grapple with, with such a real challenge happening in our community today. And I'm really gladdened with the the inclusivity of a project like that where you take the traditional approach of schools and outreach, um, you know, not only is this, this really isn't put in a school to family context, you know, you're, you're building the, this outreach um, with, with a much larger authentic audience in mind, but thinking about the direct influence and impact it's going to have, um, particularly on our Spanish speaking families, I think is going to be um, valuable but very much in line with what we've been trying to do our, our whole experience here at Odyssey and, and um, things like parent university um, in Spanish, um, opportunities to be interacting with our families um, so that they know, um, you know, we're, we, they, they need to be in on this learning um, and, and we want them in on this learning. And what a great opportunity um, for our scholars uh, to continue that effort. I'm, I'm super pumped uh, to see what, what you guys turn out. Me too. It's going to be awesome. So what's next, man? Interview tomorrow. <laughs> Super exciting. We, I have like, I can pull them up right now. I have so many pages of questions that scholars have been coming up with all the way from like, how do you decide which audience to reach with a particular community outreach experience all the way to like, how has COVID-19 impacted your work outreaching to the community? Um, I think we're going to learn a lot. That's great. And I know something that I'm going to be setting out uh, to start tomorrow. It sounds like maybe you've already started or getting ready to start yourself. Um, you know, they in the science class, um, our, our scholars have collected enough research and data to this point where um, we need to start parsing through and, and, and figuring out how to express uh, this data in the form of a protocol, in, in a form of a playbook. And so I'm my next steps are going to be offering that writing support um, in a workshop style um, to address different components of a playbook. Um, how should this be written out so that it's it's easy for the for the public to consume? And so talking about things like 
numbered bullets and and where they should be placed, how they should be explained, the formatting of a page and, and what that should look like. And there's some really great examples and exemplars out there. And there are some really not so great ones. And so taking a, a look and a hint from some of those um, to make better informed decisions for how we put together um, our playbooks um, and, uh, and and getting them prepared for that. Is, is that something that's on the horizon for you as well in terms of writing support? Definitely. And I, I feel like while you were talking, I, I just had like a little celebratory moment. I think it's important as educators to constantly be critical of our work um, and not critical in a negative way, but critical in, you know, a provocative way. How do we make this better? What have we what have we learned? Where can we improve? What's next? But I just want to pause for a second and celebrate the fact that in collaboration with Sammy and Nicole, shout out Sammy and Nicole, we've created two highly meaningful projects that address real needs, tap into authentic audiences, showcase models from history and from the present day, uplift the voices of experts and exemplars, and allow scholars a chance to collaborate with one another around meaningful work. This is like what we wanted to do at Odyssey this whole time. I'm like so proud of us. And we've done it in other iterations in the past, but I just feel like I have to take a second and bask in the glory just for one minute before we dive back into thinking about what's next. <laughs> Bask we shall. Um, can yeah, you, can you add share. a noise? Can you add a noise that's like, ha 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 Let me see if I can find something. Hallelujah. Okay, there you go. How about that? How about that applause? I know you can't hear it right now, but I'm going to get it in post. So you got to pretend like you just heard it and that it's perfect. Yay, thank you. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> now back to work. <laughs> I well, I, have, I mean, you 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 evoked um, a story that I have to relay um, that Nicole was sharing with me, because a couple of weeks ago, when she set out on this um, exploratory mission with her scholars around what a sanitation protocol could look like and how they're going to research it, you know, the first day, it, it was a little stale. Uh, she admitted that um, she she wasn't sure that the scholars um, got the jolt of motivation and the jolt of excitement, um, the way that it rolled out. But then sure enough, the next day that they were in there, um, I think it's a testament to how well she has structured the launching of this project. Um, she reported engagement on levels that she, she barely saw when we were on campus, let alone in distance learning and was wow. so impressed with the way the scholars rallied in their groups and just set settled into, all right, let's let's research, let's figure this out. Um, we have the problem, we know what we need to do. Let's get from point A to point B. And um, it was just such a, it was such a, um, I, I reveled in that story. It was it was so amazing to hear and and a testament to the mentality of our juniors who, despite being in month six, seven, I, I don't even know how long we've been doing distance learning anymore. Um, just settling in and and committing themselves to this truly authentic project is is so wonderful. So uh, yeah, we 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 got to bask in that for sure. They do show up. They really do. I've been seeing high engagement uh, in my room too, and similar. Sammy's been sharing. Um, I just think this this type of work um, inspires engagement, and engagement will inspire this type of work. So I'm, I feel super honored to get an opportunity to do it. So on to writing support, on to presentation support, on to thinking critically about the work. I feel like in our next episode, we've got a 
play like a sample from one of these interviews. I'll have to take an audio recording tomorrow. Yeah. And, and, uh, and because we don't get our, we have to teach the same class essentially four times, uh, the way our schedule works out. Uh, but lovely that through the tools of zoom, we can record and, and make these, uh, these moments widely available. So just trying to harness technology in every way that we can. Right. Yeah. It's a weird time, but, um, we'll take the little victories how we can. Well, we will definitely keep you all posted. We are just so glad that you're tuning in and spending a little time with us on the Odyssey of Learning podcast. As always, I'm Hunter. And I'm Courtney. Have a great day, everybody. Happy learning. Happy learning.